what would the world be like if we actually just knew our value and we walked around knowing our value? Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Dr. Beck. And I am Christine Barker. And this is Am I Doing It Wrong? A podcast for doctors by doctors. Dr. Beck is a mindset coach and medical doctor who specializes in liberating driven professional women from the limitations of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and people pleasing. She's basically the cheat code for getting out of your own way, showing up authentically, and living a life you're proud of. And Christine is a medical educator and nephrologist who creates resources for doctors in training that I truly think are an unfair advantage. She makes complex topics super simple and takes the pain and uncertainty out of passing your medical exams. Christine and I connected a few years ago via our online platforms and over the years we've discussed countless highs, lows and in-betweens of Dr. Life. And in doing so, we've experienced firsthand the power of vulnerable conversations to show us where we get in our own way and underestimating our capacity. So we want you to be part of the conversation and experience these same results. Every week on the pod, we'll be bringing you conversations which shine light in dark places, normalize the doctor journey, ease unnecessary suffering, and give you actionable steps to thrive in all facets of your life. So grab a cuppa and get cozy for this week's episode of Am I Doing It Wrong? The podcast for doctors by doctors. Let's get into it. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the party. And today's topic, it's a fun one, and it's probably showing up in your life in ways that you don't even realize. It's very insidious. What I want you guys to do before we really introduce the topic is I want you to put yourself in this scenario. So I want you to imagine that you have just received an award for being awesome. Just for being yourself, you're actually being completely applauded and actually you've got this award, you just got the letter in the mail and tomorrow (laughs) you're going to go on live television and receive this award. (laughs) So you have to go because it's about your excellence and you have to go and receive it publicly. Now, (laughs) imagine that's a real scenario How is that making you feel? I just want you to tune into that. Like, how is that making you feel? Is it making you feel excited? Is it making you feel like you want to run away? Like, do you feel like you deserve an excellence award? What on earth could they possibly be giving you that award for? You know, um, and who are you going to tell? Like, before you go on TV tomorrow, who are you going to share this with? Because this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I think this is a beautiful scenario that really leads us into this topic, which is, about that situation that a lot of us high achievers can find ourselves in where we we are doing great things and we are we have a lot of lovely um parts of ourselves personality and achievements and we are not accepting them somehow we are keen to disregard them somehow we get uncomfortable with our own achievements and that's what we're going to be talking about today your whole tall poppy situation so big i'm gonna throw that over to you. What do you think about this topic today? Oh, I think tall poppy is a real thing in Australia, at least. And I had actually one of my American friends, he just learned about this. He's actually a psychiatrist in America. And he just learned about this a couple of months ago. And he was like, what is this tall poppy thing? Like, I've never heard of this before, but it so perfectly describes um, so much of what he has experienced and recognized in the culture of medicine, this whole poppy syndrome. And I'm like, yeah, it's a thing. We have it over here in Australia. I didn't know you had it over there in 
the UK and America, like Tall Poppy is probably well exemplified by, as you were talking about winning that award for being an awesome human, like for being yourself and everybody agrees, like you've got to go on this show and get this award and talk all about why you're so excellent. My feeling is just like shrinking. (laughs) I'm shrinking because I don't want to be that tall. I want to be smaller. I want to go back to my safe, small, small Poppy (laughs) zone. I don't want to be the tall Poppy. And I think that's because, and I imagine that resonates with a lot of you guys too, like the idea of receiving a prestigious award that is not about necessarily, you know, something you've created or something you've done or something you've achieved even, but imagine it was about you, just fully like spotlight on you. I think the reaction of shrinking or running away, as you said, would be very common. And I think it's so common because of our tall poppy syndrome, tall poppy culture. And for anybody who doesn't know, it roughly translates to the tall poppy is it's being the, the person who stands out. And then the insinuation here is that when you're a tall poppy, you'll get cut down, that our culture will cut you down for standing out. And so a lot of us have a lot of um, sort of subconscious level of fear around standing out while we strive to be excellent because we have these, you know, where we are also at the same time a society that very much values academic achievement and we put specific careers on a pedestal and certainly medicine is still one of them that gets put on a pedestal. We will we'll go in that direction and we'll try and achieve all the things and we'll try and be excellent by merit and we'll try and get the careers that are uh, recognised and celebrated and thought to be thought of as being important in our society. And at the same time, we'll try and be really quiet about it. We'll try and get bigger but stay small at the same time. And I think it creates quite a difficult tension in a lot of us. For me, the way that I learned about how to operate in the world, not necessarily through my parents, but just kind of like through school, through implicit ideas that I picked up over time was work very, very hard. Put your head down and work hard and you will get what you deserve. If you do the work, you'll get what you deserve. And this is where I see that the tall poppy syndrome creates a problem for us because that's not actually how the world works. If you simply work hard and achieve a lot, just that in itself isn't enough to necessarily get what you deserve or create the impact that you want to create in the world. And it might have been true in school. And we probably learned it over and over and over again in school. There are so many merit-based awards where you could work harder and get better results and therefore be awarded accordingly. And I was into sports that were more of discipline. So swimming, triathlon, things like that, where I could just train harder and my effort put in would translate to results in a pretty linear fashion. It was pretty reliable. More work equals better results equals more um, achievements. And then you exit childhood sport, you exit schooling, and you're welcomed into the new world where the rules are a little bit different. <laughs> would you Would you agree with that, Christina? Do you have anything to add? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like leaving school, certainly you, it's quite humbling in as much as you know, like there's a lot of very talented people in the world. But I was thinking about where this concept of tall poppy, like I was thinking, what is the problem if you've got a field full of poppies and there's a couple of tall ones? Surely there's a bell curve of poppies. Like <laughs> what is happening why is that such a bad thing? And then I just, I guess I was thinking, well, it's probably making the other poppies look 
bad or something like so I guess I just wanted to unpack like what's the problem with being a tall poppy why would we need to cut it down what's the issue I love that question I feel like that really um it's the question that we all need to ask ourselves isn't it what's the problem with standing out and you know even as I start to explore this a little bit with myself um and I think like him just take that example of um being selected for this award of being the most brilliant person and going on to the show and receiving the award and the way that they made me shrink. And you you got to ask yourself, why do you have that response? Where does that come from? Why are you shrinking? Why are you having some kind of negative reaction to what is supposedly a wonderful thing? And I, I do think about, I think my mind defaults to, as you suggested, that a tall poppy makes the others look less. I think that's the idea. The, the tall poppy is kind of insulting the other poppies. And, and at the same time, the tall poppy is vulnerable to all the other shorter poppies <laughs> who want them to be like, they, they're really standing out there as being different. And um, I guess just ideas of sort of being different and being vulnerable in that way. Um, and just as humans, everybody wanting people to be like them and therefore like not even out of any maliciousness, but just out of being a human, people want people to be like them. And so they'll, they'll naturally try and and bring you down. And I'm not necessarily saying this is how people operate, but just starting to explore what does tall poppy mean? Why does this happen? It it brings up all these pretty understandable um, human behaviors that we have and just human fears and insecurities as well. Yeah, but I think not only that, there's like a social conditioning, I think, as well, where we ha- we're just programmed. Like, I'm just thinking about myself going on to receive this award for being amazing. I would be most anxious. I wouldn't sleep all night. But also, I wouldn't, I'd be on that couch on the morning show and they'd be asking me questions about myself. And I would be looking as if I was having a stroke because I wouldn't be able to really like I would be wondering what all the fuss was about. Like I wouldn't necessarily believe that I deserved the award. So it's not even just being like, like people knowing about your achievements, like, and being the top poppy. It's more about, like, for me, it's like, oh, but I don't see myself as special or different than anyone else. On one hand, we want to bring up how important it is for us to be confident and recognize the value that we have, not just because it feels good, but because it changes how you show up in the world, how you advocate for yourself and the opportunities that you're creating in your life, because the world isn't a fair place. The world isn't a meritocracy place where you just work hard and you'll get proportionately rewarded for that. Actually, the world is a much more messy place than that. And humans are very social and the positions you get and therefore the impact that you'll be able to create in the world and whether or not you'll be able to fulfill all your dreams in life doesn't just depend on how hard you work. And so when we are afraid of bragging or elevating ourselves above elevating ourselves above other people or all these other ideas, being arrogant, being conceited that come with the concept of celebrating yourself and seeing your value and seeing what's good about you, they're fighting against each other. You're on one hand trying to see the value in yourself and on the other hand you're trying you're afraid of seeing the value in yourself and what that will what that will mean to you and to other people. And he said something really important before you said I don't see myself as special or different. And I think you might have misspoke. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because I just want to pull that out. I don't see myself as special or different. I think what you were trying to say there was I don't see myself as better than. 
but because I know that you actually know that you are special and different. You're not better than, you don't think that about yourself, but you know that you're unique and individual, special and different. Everyone is. And uniqueness is the spark of what makes people special. Yeah, yeah, I, you're right. I, I did misspeak and I totally believe that I'm unique and special and you are and everyone is and everyone has something to bring and offer. That is definitely like a value. And and I guess it just, as you were talking, I, I did think more on that, but just to pick up on what you're saying, it's actually different in different scenarios. Like when I'm with myself and I'm journaling and I'm working on myself, or if I'm getting ready for an interview, it is, well, actually, to be honest, they're probably two different things, but there are times where it is appropriate to really tap in and appreciate yourself and it feels like there are set places where that is a safe thing to do and like cheering myself on privately might be something that I would do journaling or something to sort of to, to do that self-work but would I be doing that in front of someone else would I be sharing that that would be a very very closed group of people like I think one thing that I, I love um about you especially Beck, is I feel like you are that safe space where um I can celebrate things with you and I never feel like it's weird, <laughs> but I, I think I just really do it with you. Maybe my partner, maybe my direct family, but I've even my direct family, like they were the ones that sort of almost taught me not to be a tall puppy. So <laughs> sometimes I'm quite held back with them. So it feels like there are, there's a rule book. And in some scenarios, we're allowed to be a fuller expression and be quite self-confident and articulate that and show up like that. And then there are other scenarios where we're kind of squashing ourselves down deliberately because that's the social rule or that's what we learned along the way. And, and I think it's interesting because I guess what you're trying to say is that what would the world be like if we, not in a bragging way, not in an arrogant way, but we just, we actually just knew our value and we walked around knowing our value. And I worry, I worry about these quiet amazing high achievers. These people who you have no idea how much they have to offer the world. They're just there like kicking goals, getting things done, working like nobody else could ever believe. And you never, ever hear about them. You never hear a peep of them. You never know they throughout their whole life. I'm just going to take this to an extreme throughout their whole life. They're just silently excellent, waiting, expecting, understanding that when they're excellent enough, that will break through and become obvious and start adding value to the world and not recognizing that in real life, in school that worked, in real life, we need something else. Our work doesn't just appear in the world. Our, our value doesn't just appear in the world because we, we need to, it's like we were talking about when, like, imagine if I showed up to you and I was, I was meeting you for the first time and I was insecure. I was uncomfortable. I was uncertain of myself, but I'm the same person. I've got my whole same background, but I show up to you in this interaction that way. You, on the other hand, you're this person who actually is seeking out somebody with, for a role with all the things that I value, with all the things that I'm actually excellent at. But either I'm here being silent because I can't brag. It's a terrible, awful thing to brag and if nothing else, it's terrifying because I might be the top hobby. Or I self-deprecate, as many of us, hands up, no, <laughs> we do. We do almost by default. We're, we're self-deprecating. We're not just silent, but we're actually self-deprecating. So in this scenario, you're standing in front of somebody who actually has, little would you know, this most amazing opportunity of your lifetime 
or even just the next stepping stone. And because you are presenting yourself in a way that is underestimating yourself, that interaction never becomes what it was, what it could have become. And you never get to take that next step in the world because your achievements, your skills, your value doesn't actually speak for itself. In the real world, people take face value assessments and they, they're they not mind readers and they're also not spending all of their free time like looking back into your back history, right? They are, in the real world, we are making assessments as we meet people and it's certainly how it works in the hospital. We cannot, we have no system to measure who's an excellent doctor, who's a really good doctor, who, who are the doctors we really want to put in this role or that role or have as our Perhaps like if you've had this doctor in your hospital for decades, maybe you'll have a good idea from all those little data points that join up. But especially, you know, if you're a doctor in training or you're a young consultant, there's not enough data there for people to understand whether you're a good doctor or not. And if you're silent or self-deprecating or anything less than you fully seeing all the value you have to offer, I'm just heartbroken to think that you will miss out when you shouldn't. And I think a lot of us are at risk of this because I think a lot of us have collectively been taught this tall poppy syndrome, just implicitly, just in the background, just as we go, be excellent, work really hard and you'll be rewarded. And also be very careful not to brag. Don't even go anywhere near bragging territory. So you don't celebrate. You don't even just neutrally see your own value in a factual way and you err on the side of self-deprecating and being silent. You said um, your value doesn't speak for itself. And then what I felt was like, but your belief system does. Like if you truly believe in your own value, you won't be able to help how you speak, how you show up with your body language and how you kind of stand in your river. So I think as much as it could help sell yourself, like if you're going for a job and you're able to speak about yourself and you're doing it from such a genuine place, they can detect the authenticity in that. They know that you believe it and it's more convincing. But there's also scenarios that I've come across where this has really helped me to stand in my river like say for example you're on stage somewhere and someone does the question that tries to like they basically like they're they're taking some kind of like I don't know like weapon and throwing it on the stage to behead you you know that question and just standing there and being able to like be very calm and manage the question that's all the same kind of skill set and that you're just like you know I don't need to prove myself to you because I'm actually good with myself and I know my value and I don't need you to tell me and and I will tell you if you want to know but also I'm just okay just knowing it just knowing it is actually quite powerful you don't even have to tell anyone like what would you say to that the difference between just knowing it intrinsically and believing it versus how we externally like do you think it's important to tell people no I think it's I think what is important is, as you're saying, it's the belief first, which creates the emotion, which determines how you show up. If the belief is right, you'll be like one, like a behavior of mentioning a uh, something that you're good at or something that's relevant that you achieved in this scenario could come from a place of insecurity and bragging and arrogance, trying to elevate yourself above somebody else. That action could come from that. Or it could come from, as you're saying, this like, appreciation of yourself, this this noble dedication towards the greater mission 
the reason why you're building that skill set, the the greater good behind your um your achievements and and going down this path. And also from humility, it can come from a place of humility because so the same action can come from different emotions and thoughts. And that's why, as you're saying, your belief is so important. And the other thing I think you said that was really important was about when somebody throws that that axe at you. Nunchuck at me. Yes. (laughs) Nunchuck. Nunchuck. Thrown. (laughs) So in that scenario, they are trying to chop your legs off, make your shoulder. Poppy down, poppy down. (laughs) And then... We are, what we were talking about earlier is being worried about the opposite scenario where we're elevating ourselves. And both of these things are the same. They're the same problem. When what we want is this little dance we were doing before, guys, this is why you want to be on video with us so you can see us (laughs) looking ridiculous. (laughs) Balanced. This is the, the, I don't know what it is, same language that we just made up for balanced. I wonder what the actual balanced word is. Someone can probably tell us. Not balance, but equal. Equal is what I'm getting at here because it's the same. It's the you're special and different, but you're not better than. You're special and different, but you're not less than. You're just like at all times, I think what we most care about and what all of us believe are we are all good and bad. We are all worthy and we all have a lot of value to add to the world. And that's why it makes us so uncomfortable when somebody elevates us and why it's why it makes us so upset when somebody lowers us but when we hit that sweet spot of what we actually believe which is everybody is valuable then you can accept compliments without it meaning that you're elevated you accept the compliment because they can give you a compliment and it just means I'm recognizing one of the good things in you I'm not saying that you're better than me I'm not saying that you think you're better than me this is just something good about you. And that's my opinion. And it might even be a fact. This is something good about you. Not elevated. And at the same time, somebody can throw the the nunchuck and you stay steady at the same time because you're like, yeah, that might be something bad about me or that might be your opinion. And still that doesn't lower me. Like whatever good or bad things there are about me, I'm not this balance doesn't overall tip. We are all just as people equal and valuable in different ways. And I think that's what we all believe and that's how we all want to act. And it's just this little, this bit of confusion that happens in our thoughts when people give us compliments or attack us and things that um, have us show up in these funny ways. And it's just a misunderstanding, I think, or it's it's us becoming distant from that belief that we really have. Um when getting closer to that belief of, yes, like I can celebrate myself. I can see the good in myself. And that doesn't mean I'm elevating myself above other people. It doesn't mean I think I'm a more worthy human or a more valuable human or anything conceited or arrogant or frankly awful like that, in my opinion. It doesn't have to mean that. And when we can separate those things out, when we can celebrate ourselves and see the excellence in ourselves and just spend time dwelling on how fantastic we are in these ways and not have that change this balance of where we sit against other humans, then we've got the win-win. Then we can 
take up more opportunities because we can see the value in ourselves and we don't have to make it mean that um, we're going against our values and making ourselves better than or somebody else worse than. We're just, there's there's not really a field of even puppies. Like we're all just like a little bit odd if you just look a bit closer. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that's what nature is like. Oh my goodness. I just had a total aha moment there when you talked about that separation from like what you truly believe. And I think when we say what you truly believe about yourself, it's like you and your best day. It's your best self. It's it's not a gremlin self, not a troll self. It's like not a bad day self. It's like your best self. And your best self can see the good in you and, and knows the truth about you. And then when you deviate from that, like you say, if, if you put yourself in a pedestal and you're not nice to people and you're bragging and putting them down, then you're going to, f- well, I would feel bad if I did that. Maybe not everyone feels bad when they do that, but I would feel terrible if I did that. I wouldn't sleep at night. And equally, when I'm downing on myself, that feels bad too. So like the way like the way to feel good is, is the way you know you're hitting the sweet spot is probably just how you feel. But then I, I, I wrote down, actually, it's so interesting that you said that about all the little poppies in the field being all different sizes and it's all fine because we're all unique and special. But I was also thinking about that feeling of, um, what your core beliefs are and what you're aiming for because we're always changing and growing and it's probably like something that, like you have to move this little bar with you as well like you're never going to stay stuck and probably if you are stuck and you're not changing and growing and you're not taking that next step to get to your next level self then that's going to hurt you as well and I guess I just wanted to sort of use that as a segue to to talk about how this might hold us back in life like what are we missing out on if we're not doing this you know um I guess finding this equal leveling within ourselves and and sort of knowing our own truth and showing up in the world that way what are the what are the side effects of that Beck? We've touched on those two different scenarios we've got the the one-to-one interaction with you know you've actually landed yourself in this situation where you actually have the opportunity of a lifetime And you will never, ever know that you even had the opportunity because you weren't showing up in a way that showed that you were ready or presenting yourself for the opportunity. You know how they say luck is preparation meets opportunity. So in that situation, you've got the opportunity, but you're not prepared. You're not showing up in a way that makes it obvious that you are the person for that opportunity. And a lot of us are not prepared in the sense that we are not practiced at all in seeing what's good and valuable about ourselves, registering that, and then let alone articulating it. That's a very uncomfortable space for a lot of us. A lot of us don't want to win the fantastic award on the show, right? A lot of us would just, we'd rather not. And so that's, I, I imagine these things happen all the time. Where And actually, I, I can think about this with like, um, you know, I have um, friends in my life that I only recognize were my people because they'd put themselves out there in some way. And very literally, if they'd stayed quiet, if they hadn't shown themselves, I would have never seen them in the crowd. I would have, without standing up and being more of themselves, I wouldn't have been able to recognize them as being somebody who I really, really liked and valued. And it's the same thing. People can't read your mind. People don't actually know who you are. You think about yourself all day, all the time. You think that things about you are obvious, but actually the good things about you are not obvious to other people. And they're certainly not obvious to, you know, distant employers or people who don't know you at all. So that's one scenario. And then I think we can probably 
we could probably riff on multiple different scenarios in the hospital. Like we mentioned about how, you know, med school, there are a couple of, you know, awards and things associated with that are that are meritocracy based where, you know, whatever your exam marks are or da-da-da, it, it does quite linearly accumulate in an award. But also, and beyond medical school, it, it does more become about how you present yourself in terms of how people understand who you are and what you're capable of. Absolutely. So your um, opportunities in life, jobs. I also, I think for my um, my audience, I think your clinical exam, like how you show up there can definitely be affected by this and your self-belief system and how confident you are and who you think you are. Can we just stop on that for a moment? Because a clinical exam candidate who shows up, who's completely focused on all the things they don't know and all the things that they're not that good at, they walk into a scenario that they haven't you know, it's a case that they actually haven't seen before. They walk in and what's on their mind is, I've never seen this before or I've done this like once. I, I'm i incompetent at this. And that's their kind of persona. That person or the person who is who presents themselves in their clinical case uncertain of their ability to pass versus the person who walks in, they're like, I've accumulated, like, sure, I haven't seen this case before, but I've accumulated enough skills over the time and I'm capable to work things out. Da, da, da. Like they're focused on their strengths. They present so differently, so differently. The emotional impact of those two different sets of thoughts is enormous. And it's almost always obvious to an outsider, right? Because they're such powerful thoughts. One, one set of thoughts is so powerful in creating this insecurity. And the examiners are there looking at, they're witnessing your insecurity. They see you as a person being insecure and what are they going to conclude from that? What are they going to interpret from that? Versus them seeing somebody who is confident and focused on solving the problem because they believe they can solve the problem, they're focused on solving the problem. What are they seeing in that person? And this is an example of how different thoughts about yourself create different opportunities for you. They create different results for you. These two people could have the exact same academic excellence in their background. They could have the exact same number of cases clocked. They could have the exact same clinical excellence. And yet they're going to be presented or they're going to receive very different opportunities. Yeah, it could not be more true. And I think um, the other thing to say is that it can be a performance or it could be real. You can get there with the performance, but that takes a lot of energy to like muster up and learn how to perform. Or you can learn how to just step into that person, which is you. It's just a future version of you that you just want to bring into the present. Like it's, it is you. You're capable of this. And I feel like that's part of the challenge of, of, of that group of people when I'm working with them is, is literally this, this situation. And um, they're just not seeing themselves as, as good enough in the moment. And, and, and yeah, the examiners can see it. And I've also seen that scenario where someone clearly does back themselves and is very confident externally. And, you know, you'll be doing a, you'll be watching them while they're practicing and they'll say something that you actually know is actually wrong. And the examiner will be like, oh yes, applause. Like, you're like, what? But the way they said it's wrong. What happened? If I said that, I would have been shot down. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like the power of confidence and the power of showing up in this way, it can kind of bedazzle people into just um, having a cognitive bias that works in your favor in interviews, in life, in relationships, on dates, and with friendships. What about even with patients? You know, you lose the trust and you break the therapeutic relationship with patients if you can't see 
your value and what you have to offer. That's so, so, so true. And I love that that thing you said about your friend group and you wouldn't have been able to see them if they hadn't like done the things that made them a tall poppy. Because I also think that that is like a really, I think that a lot of these things that we're achieving in life are actually not for us. Like if you think about some of the amazing people in history, it's not really about them. Like the things they're doing are amazing, but it's, even if someone's like, a, they're making music and that's the songs are for people or Oprah, like the, the talk show was for people. It's actually not about, you're thinking these people are so successful and amazing and they're mega tall poppies, but it's actually not about them. It's about their impact. And I feel like that's what's a real shame if, I guess maybe rephrasing the question to what would be the downside of you staying small? Anyone listening to this, there's a side effect. There's a knock on effect of you not getting out there in the world and doing what you so deserve to be doing, what you want to be doing and staying small and not backing yourself. Um, there's actually a negative effect, not just on you, but on other people. They're missing out on you. And it's it's it would be a real shame. And um, but Beck, can I ask you? I always I always want to do this, right? So people are listening to this and they've heard me harping on about this passionately for the last few while. And you've made some amazing points. But now I kind of feel like I want to do like some kind of exercise, some kind of journaling exercise where I can start to work on this. How do I go from being the person who is uncomfortable being a tall poppy, who has these ambitions and maybe some confidence issues in certain environments? How can I work on this? How can I move forward with this? What would you advise? Yeah, this is a really cool thing about being able to self-coach and being able to journal is that you can create safety for yourself in your own little bubble before you get out there and and do all the things in the world. And, you know, often, you know, when you're working this stuff out, you, if you just jump in, it's a great attitude to jump in. And if you're brave enough to just jump in and see what happens, cool. But the problem is when you haven't kind of cleaned out all those beliefs and all those, you know, false associations, the things going on in your head, and you do just jump in and just do it, then you can end up doing things that are out of your integrity. You know, you can end up putting yourself in situations, then trigger a big stress response. And then because of that, under a stress response, you'll react in a way that you even you don't like. And that can make you really, you know, aside from that, just not being good for you, that you had to be out of your integrity despite trying to do something good. It can also make you retreat back and not want to try again and cut off the whole experiment. So journaling is such an amazing place to do the uncomfortable work in a comfortable environment, in an environment that minimizes the risk. So for something like this, and this is something that I have had to journal on, it's probably been a feature of my journaling for years. You know, my what started out, I remember when I first started coaching, I was talking about how we conflate confidence with arrogance. And it was such a big problem for me that I never wanted to be confident. I was kind of repelled by the idea of confidence because in my mind, it was just so tied up with arrogance. And so over the years, I've done um, a different, I've changed my relationship with confidence. And the way that I did that was through auditing my thoughts and questioning the ones that didn't quite sit right. Either they didn't have good logical premises or they just weren't aligned with what I wanted to believe and what was in my integrity. So all of this to say, this journaling work I expect it to be quite uncomfortable for fit at first. This is not necessarily going to be some lovely journaling work where you just sit down and appreciate yourself for 12 minutes. No, what I want you to do is ask a question that's something like, what makes me excellent? What do I have to be proud of 
why am I a gift to the world? Why is it an honor to be with me? Or why is it an honor to work with me? So for a lot of you, you might be having that kind of like retracting feeling, even thinking about those questions, because even the idea of thinking about yourself in that way already makes you feel like you're bragging. It already makes you feel like you're putting yourself at risk of tall poppy. It already makes you feel like you're you're too much, you're thinking too much of yourself. And I just want to acknowledge that to start with. And know that the purpose of this exercise isn't to walk around thinking about that about yourself all day, every day, all the time. But this is just to prompt a thought experiment in you to see what comes out. So you'll list the things that make you excellent. And each of those sentences, if you can get them out, that's amazing. Each of those sentences in themselves might come with different types of discomfort. And this is what I want you to get really interested in. The ones that create discomfort, I want you to to clock them and maybe come back to them another day and start to question them further. And then hopefully within that list as well, there'll be some sentences that land really beautifully with you. Why am I a gift to the world? Because I I bring a lighthearted aspect to work or something like that. Maybe that's a sentence that makes you feel that you really, that makes you believe that you're excellent in a way that you're comfortable with. And then maybe another sentence, for example, why am I excellent? Because I have great clinical acumen or something. I can't even think of one because I have great, because I have a great voice. Say you're a musician, you're like, because I have a great voice. And that one makes you feel like ick. It gives you that, I think I'm better than everyone else kind of um, connotation to it. So pull that one apart too. All these sentences are really important. We're just kind of emptying out your brain, auditing your brain and seeing all the different types of things that can come out of this question. And what comes out will direct you to your next pieces of work because the things that you do think are um, a gift, these are things that I would like you to pay more attention to, give more airtime to. This is your window into starting to celebrate yourself more in an easy way. Literally just giving more of your attention, 20% more of your attention in your day to things like that versus having that 20% sit over in the why being critical of yourself. And then the the other thoughts that make you really uncomfortable, that's your next step in a, a bigger way to be able to piece apart those associations, work out what's true and false about what you're saying, and maybe even create some more good things to go on the other pile from there. So very simple exercise, but don't underestimate it. Give yourself 12 minutes, because as I'm saying, it's probably going to be uncomfortable. 12 minutes is plenty of time. And you'll probably come up with a lot of data from there that will reveal some of the next pieces of work that you can do for yourself. Thank you for that. I love that so much. And you are a gift to the world. I just want to tell you that you're a gift to the world. But I also, I do want to say that I love, you're you're the queen of journaling prompts and I love your journaling prompts. And also as someone who's experienced coaching with you, I find that Honestly, when I get to that situation where I know you just told me that I can sort of, you know, sift through my thoughts and, you know, I I probably I'll understand how to do the good ones and I can make them into affirmations. The bad ones, I'm like, well, we'll just park that for a while. (laughs) That seems like a like a realm I don't belong in. But like with you, when you're getting coached on these kind of situations, you are just you have this magical way of actually helping to unpack that. So if anyone's listening and they're like me and they're just like, oh my God, like, (laughs) I don't know what she's talking about with the unraveling and the unpacking of the negative thoughts. 
back just get on um i know you've got a group coaching program that's coming soon and i'm excited for it. i'm gonna go <laughs> but it's, it's coming soon but i feel like that would be the perfect thing for anyone who is struggling with any of this would you would you agree with that would that be the right um forum i would absolutely agree and thank you so much for saying that i I do think that coaching is a gift to the world and I think that my coaching is a gift to the world too. I'm just going to say that because that is something that actually I do believe is very true and even that brings up this um, discomfort in me in saying that, but it's true and I want people to know that the coaching that we do, the coaching that I do with my one-on-one clients and the coaching that we'll be doing in this group coaching program will be a gift to you. It will be something that does add so much value to you and change your life. And it will be one of the best decisions that you make in your life. If you know that you are underestimating yourself, if you know that you're holding yourself back, and if you're somebody who it does bother you when you don't show up in your integrity, it bothers you when you, you do little things out of fear instead of out of courage or desire, then coaching is the place for you. And and I cannot wait to meet you and have you experience what it's like to have somebody else hold a space for you to work through these thoughts that can be quite uncomfortable and challenging. So thank you so much, Christine. And I'm so glad that you've, you've loved the coaching so far. Oh my goodness, changed my life. Like I, I'm not just saying that because I'm saying like, I literally, I, I back it so much. It is, I'm living, breathe the truth of I've come to, I've been coached by you now, I think three times and each and every single time I have like, I've changed. Like it's, it's like a shortcut. It's like a, I call you a thought wizard because it truly is the something that happens in there that a million hours of journaling will not fix for me. Right. So it's like, there is a magic, but I think you have to experience it to really know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I am so excited for this and thank you for your gift to the world. It's beautiful. And um, I'm sure we'll leave the links to that wait list below in the show notes. And thank you so much for today, Beck. And thank you so much for everyone who's joining us. I hope that you go through the world understanding how unique and special and valuable you are, just like everyone else says, but also just really appreciating who you are and how you could only be that, what is it, one in a trillion version of yourself? Is that is that what we are, one in a trillion? <laughs> the chances of you being you is very small, what I'm trying to say. So I just want you to appreciate that as you show up in the world, stay in your river, don't apologize for who you are. You are magical. And thank you, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. <laughs> Bye. and up in the clouds but i've always felt that something's missing that was until i found you right there in the